your thoughts are what are creating you, right? Your thoughts are sort of a, your, your identity is a continued narrative that you're telling yourself about yourself. And so when we really start to think about that, okay, wait, yes, there's a you like contained in a body. Yes, there's all that stuff, but your psychological self, the part that's going to be the thing underneath that's helping you change how you feel, your emotions. Can I be happy? Can I take depression and turn it into excitement? Can I take sadness and turn it into joy, right? Can I take fear and turn it into action and, and these kinds of things? That the center of that is this is your thought system, right? Your both conscious and unconscious thought systems. And if we can't change our thought systems in a meaningful way, how could we possibly expect our behavior to change? This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 184 with MindShift and Breakthrough coach, Rob Scott. This is squadron leader confirming hostiles inbound. Prepare for battle. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, you got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, JC Preston, connector of amazing people and great ideas. And in this session, I'm joined by Andy Dix, professional coach and host of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. If this is the first time that you're listening in, this is, of course, the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that's proud of. So 2020 has been an interesting year to say the least. However, I still think it's exactly what I thought it was going to be, the year of vision. And, you know, if anything, it, it was going to wake people up about how things have been in the last decade or so. You know, this was the year for, for that to really happen. A lot of civil and economic unrest has transpired, and many of us are redefining ourselves in hopefully positive ways. If that's the case for you, you've seen the silver lining on a year that has wrecked the lives of many. However, if you are still scratching your head about how you can put this year in the wind column for yourself, then today's guest is someone I think you might be able to learn something from. And as we'll learn in today's conversation, Rob's journey hasn't been all that peachy over his lifetime. However, he's been able to rise to the point in his own life where he's helping others shed or improve the identity they've given themselves along life's journey. Join in on the chat as we learn some of the things from Rob that parallel and add to some of the other conversations we've had about changing your mindset and your perspective on the world. More specifically, we'll be learning what exactly is identity shifting and how it can be used to better ourselves, how we can change our perspective on the world by giving ourselves a new lens, and why self-sabotage is such a problem with most human beings. But first, let's talk about my free resource, Uncover Your Personal Mission. And as I alluded to in this chat, you'll be finding out just how far you actually are from achieving what you want in life. And then the truth is, as Rob says, is possibly just a few weeks of working on yourself away. However, when it comes to that shift, a big part of it is making sure you're actually trying to be the best you possible. And in fact, that's where most people get into trouble. The world makes us focus on income so that we can pay the bills and have nice things. However, it really doesn't tell us the best way to do that, nor does it tell us there's other goals to focus in on, on life. And finding what you should be doing to achieve those things requires you to actually dig a little deeper. And, if, and it requires you to find your purpose, your passion, and your specific process. And just like when you're traveling, if you don't know where you are, then it's going to be hard to get to where you want to be. And if you think of making money as a, a road to where you want to go, it doesn't it make sense to make sure that the road takes you specifically to the right destination? Uh, I mean, so if that makes sense to you, then... You'll appreciate Uncover Your Personal Mission. It, has my, it was really my goal to help people figure out where you're exactly at. In it, you'll find questions that will help you find your passion, your purpose, and your process. And that way, you don't get lost trying to be someone else 
when you're building your business. You can grab it for free over at newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. Again, that's newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. And let's make sure you get started on your new path the right way. Also, remember, you too can get on today's conversation. And to do so, all you have to do is tag us on social media. It can be as simple as taking a picture of where you're at and saying, hey, listening to the AOL podcast from wherever you're at and share what you've learned. Also, be sure to leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening to the show on. Doing so will not only get you involved, but it will help other people find the show. And in fact, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which is the native podcasting app for iPhone these days, I'll be sure to read it in an upcoming session. And while you're at it, subscribe to the show as well. And that way, you'll be notified whenever a new episode is available. Also remember, if you need help in scaling your business the right way, drop us a message at heyguys at newinceptions.com with any questions. And whether you need advice or a strategic introduction to other amazing people, we love to help our listeners in any way that we can. Show notes and show note extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 184. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is JC Preston with Andy Dix, executive coach for visionaries, founders, and idealists. Hope you're having a great day. Andy, how are you doing? <laughs> great, JC. It's a pleasure being with you again. Uh, it's amazing how quickly the summer is getting away from us. Uh, it's amazing how quickly this year has flown by due to the <laughs> pandemic. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's nuts. I mean, what was it? It just it seemed like we were just in March when you know the 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 COVID hit, and all of a sudden we're hi four months later, and life is still kind of droning on, you know. So, but um, I think we're in what they call it the second inning of this pandemic now. I think. Uh, I I don't know about that, but I sure hope they replace the pitcher anytime soon. You know, I, I'm I think they're pitching a strikeout here, or no hitter. It's not good. Not good anyway. at all. But we've got somebody that can help us through all this. You know, and so recently I've actually been uh, listening to a lot more audiobooks than I used to, mainly because I, I now have a, a membership to an app called Scribe, and which is a, a Netflix for for audiobooks. And in doing so, I've been listening to books that I've been meaning to get around to for, for quite a while. One in particular was an older book called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. Another one is uh, by Bob Proctor, who did a, a book with a past guest, Greg Reed, called Thoughts Are Things. And in both of those books, they described what many refer to as the law of attraction. And in fact, Bob's movie called The Secret is based on how powerful this law truly is. And I. First of all, I love Bob's work. Uh, I, I, he's a, a go-giver by, by all means. And, and he's done some great things. Uh, and, you know, I think today's guest, JC, is actually someone who, who's really seen it all. Uh, and, and it's no secret that uh, as a fellow coach, his path to coaching has really certainly not been a straight line. He's had uh, all kinds of major life mountains to climb. He's a recovering addict, cancer survivor. He was even formerly homeless. And he founded Fundamental Shift LLC and has built his way up from the bottom to become a success. And his credits his amazing turnaround to a fundamental shift that changed everything for him. And now he teaches others, like you and me, how to make their fundamental shifts. His name is Rob Scott. And he can be found at robscott.com. Rob, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to be here. Hi. Hi. Well, it's great to have you with us. And uh, where are you uh, joining us from today? I am in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And you are right downtown in the epicenter, right? I am, yeah. That's awesome. Just well, to see all the fun stuff happening whenever, you know, <laughs> certain, certain teams lose, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least you're able to rise above it because you're up in a high rise, correct? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Rob, you graduated with an advanced degree from, it sounds like, the University of Adversity. So can you briefly walk us through this amazing journey that you've been on and share how you discovered your fundamental shift? Yeah, I think it was more than anything, almost the, the pressure that maybe a diamond gets formed under, right? It was this in, incredible pressure of, of life being 
pretty difficult. I, I grew up in a situation where I went through a lot of really uh, pretty horrible abuse and ended up you know, getting into as to survive some of that, to manage my own uh, sadness and disconnection and just really not feeling uh, very worthy as a human uh, at all. I, at an obscenely young age, turned to uh, drugs and alcohol and ended up uh, just using those almost as a medication, honestly, to, uh, to, to feel better. And uh, after what I'd been through as a child, which you know, included um, you know, uh, a ton of sexual abuse and, and just, uh, you know, dysfunction in the family and different things like that. Uh, I ended up, you know, uh, really dysfunctional, emotionally not capable, uh, you know, mentally checked out. Uh, it grew into pretty heavy addictions, um, uh, you know, exceptionally heavy addictions, actually. And in my late teens and early 20s, uh, I was full-blown disaster level. I was in and out of all the institutions. I was in and out of jails and rehabs and halfway houses. And uh, I ended up homeless, uh, living on the streets. And somewhere in my later 20s, I ended up uh, sort of realizing that uh, I I really had this uh, enormous epiphany. I really became self-aware in a different way. And I saw a lot of the patterns that were holding me back. And so... I had this history that was legitimate things holding me back. And then I ended up, you know, as protection mechanisms, taking some of those on and uh, continuing them to quote unquote, stay safe or stay familiar. But what that led to was uh, continuing the dysfunction. And so in a pretty swift move, I decided to put a lot of that stuff down just to see what would happen. You know, what would happen if I sort of reset my sense of self and uh, this victim identity I'd taken on and this life is tough identity and all these things. And I ended up going from homeless to vice president of technology at a company here in Philadelphia in just a handful of years. Uh, in the middle of that, I got really sick with a cancer. And so, you know, after that, people were looking at me and like, when are you going to write your book? This is a pretty, this is a pretty <laughs> big story. But I really hadn't felt like I'd even begun yet because I, I wanted to help other people. And so... What was the most meaningful to me was, uh, you know, obviously I wanted to be successful and I wanted to, you know, uh, have a house and live well and, you know, do all the things that we all want to do. But after those were achieved to whatever degree, I really felt this calling to help other people that were out there struggling and suffering uh, at all the levels that we struggle and suffer. Suffer. There's, you know, really deep and painful versions of that, and there's the kind of quiet. Uh, upset that you know many humans are living in, and then now when we're in a pandemic like we are, and dealing with all the challenges of society today, uh, it can be tough to, you know, really know what's most important. Where where should my focus be? What do I do? So back up a little bit. In roughly 2005, I started a podcast. I was one of the first people on the platform doing it, and uh, people all over the world really took to heart what I was sharing and. It was basically around evolving your own consciousness, uh, making better meaning and figuring out, you know, what is meditation doing? What is hypnosis doing? What's NLP doing? What are these tools of the mind that are helpful? And uh, people all over the world started asking me for coaching. And I was resistant for a little while. And then when I tried it out, I realized uh, it was kind of what I'd been doing almost my whole life. Like even back in the dysfunction of being a child, I had been trying to help my parents see things differently and friends, you know, uh, optimize how they were thinking about something or whatever. And so it really was like the secret sauce to why I had done so well in the corporate world and some other things. And so I uh, did an exit from the corporate world and started this company, I guess it's 14 or so plus years ago. And I have just been absolutely loving it ever since and developing these things that I call identity shifting and different tools to help people uh, profoundly transform themselves and and to really become deeply optimal in all the ways that they're capable of. Hmm. Identity shifting. So that, that, that kind of triggers something for me. Um, and, and in fact, Rob, what's interesting is that society builds us up to, to be who we are. You know, many grow up believing the feedback we get from other people. If someone says, hey, you're good at math, you know, there's a really good chance that if they end up going to college, they're going to end up being a, a STEM major. And if someone grows up around a, a certain industry, there's a good chance that they're going to be in that field as an adult. And I think to your, what you were saying, it really does take a lot of effort to make that mental pivot of who you actually are. And really, 
when we're first starting out, it's justifiable why so many people go through imposter syndrome. Mm. Uh, you know, for example, because so many people think that $100,000 a year is a relatively big number for most jobs, it's hard to make that leap in our own mind when we're starting a business. Mm-hmm. So, so what kind of identity shifting uh, techniques or, or processes did you have to go through personally as you were making that climb uh, professionally and then eventually into your coaching practice? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I, I love that idea that the, you know, the outside sort of shapes who you are. And it's it, part of the reason for that is that we're, we're in relationship with our surroundings, right? And so especially in the very long period of time that humans take to develop into an adult, which is way longer than other species, if you think about it, it's because we have neuroplasticity. It's because we are capable of living uh, on an ice shelf somewhere, or we can live in the desert, you know, deeply and everything in between. We could live in a high rise or we can live out on a farm and we can adapt to that. And so we have this big, long, almost learning or adaptation process because we don't have one path of living. We have this very, very diverse possibility of, of living in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. And if we don't learn to challenge that in a meaningful way, you will end up passively following, you know, either what your parents thought you should do or what your friends thought you should do, or, you know, maybe you'll in some kind of obvious way resist against that and do something very different. But I don't think that we're as in touch with what's really possible when we, uh, you know, stop for a second and really consider what do I really want? What are the patterns that I already have going on for myself? What would I need to change? And then, you know, how do I change those things? And once we consider that, we see that there's a whole lot more possible for us than maybe we even considered. Mm. Mm. So what were some of the things that, that actually helped you to get through those different phases? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was... And I, I don't recommend this, although it, it can be really effectual, but I was suffering horribly. Like I was just really, really deeply unhappy. And I was in almost this... Have you ever heard of a Cohen? Uh, it's uh, like an unanswerable question from Eastern traditions. The, hmm. the famous one is, what's the sound of one hand clapping? Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> no, no. Enlighten us. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's something that in Eastern traditions, they'll ask a, a paradoxical question that's sort of unanswerable and literally ask you to uh, really dive in on it and, and think about it. And if that's done properly and under the right circumstances and pressure, you can, you know, the, the idea is that you might pop into enlightenment, right? There's some big epiphany that can come from this unanswerable question. So what life had handed me was this sort of deep question that I think a lot of us carry, but I was really looking into it like, what's the point? Like, mm. what are we doing here? What, what is this all about? And I, I started to see suffering in all directions because I had so much suffering in my life. So I had this lens of the world is just ugly everybody's mean, you know, this is everybody's selfish and horrible and all these things. And there's partial truth in that, right? There's there, we do have a lot of examples of a lot of those things. And I certainly had a lot of examples in my life. Uh, But I had to, the the pressure of that question was uh, quite literally life or death for me. I mean, it was to the point where it was, you know, my life was uh, so difficult and falling apart in so many ways that I was like, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, I just don't, I don't get this. And in that genuine inquiry that was bordering on obsessive, my brain popped in a very meaningful way. And I started to see some of the illusions of mind, right? Some of the tricks of mind, some of the uh, patterns that we take on, often from our socialization, as we've already talked about, as quote unquote truths, right? So one for me was, you're a victim. Uh, you're worthless. Nobody loves you. Uh, it's not worth it. This won't work, right? You start with these things that the normal human mind has running in the background. Mm-hmm. And they're not true necessarily, but they may even have evidence. So they seem true. You could argue for them, uh, but they're not useful. And it, it's the, the human jump is the ability to end up seeing those things that are happening in your life and not only challenge them, but change them. And so I have a metaphor that's helpful that I that I often talk about. I, I don't know if you want to share it, but it's it's an idea about lenses. Um, would you want me to share that? Oh, certainly. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. So if you think of a lens, and I mean literally like a lens that's in your glasses or if people wear contacts or if you don't wear either of those, you might have looked through a microscope or a telescope. The The function of a lens that we're all very aware of is that it alters what we see, 
right? It can uh, make it more clear, more blurry, and make it look closer, further away, right? The function of the lens is to alter what we see. The second function of a lens that is often not considered uh, or even thought about is that lenses are built to be invisible. And what I mean by that is they're not built to be looked at, they're built to be looked through, right? Mm -hmm. So they're altering what you see and ultimately they're built to kind of be forgotten, right? They literally change your reality. So you could think of like rose-colored glasses. Uh, sure, for a while you'd be aware of them, but if you really, like if there were contacts and you could never take them out, you would literally think that the world was red, right? Like there's just, it, right. would, it would alter what you see so deeply. So our beliefs and our thinking, a lot of our thoughts that are happening for us are just like lenses. They're deeply altering what we see and what we think about the world and what we think is real. And they're built to be invisible. They're built to be uh, efficiently kind of bypassed by our critical function. And so we end up taking on things to survive certain environments, especially, uh, and there's other reasons as well. But the big one is, you know, to survive abuse or somebody in middle school saying you're stupid or you're ugly or whatever these things are. And we take those on as protection mechanisms and we respond to those as, well, if that's true, then I won't wear those clothes. Or if that's true, maybe I need to work out. Or, you know, we can respond in ways that are positive, but many of us take on these limits that are very deeply ingrained. And we would literally argue for them as if they're just true. And once they're uh, not useful, like I'm not enough, or nobody loves me, or I'll never succeed at running a business, or I could never be a solopreneur, or whatever those things are. Uh, if we don't challenge those, we end up living into those limits day after day after day. And you know, then our life is ultimately much less than it could have been. Wow. Well, you know, it's funny. We, um, we actually just had a, a guest on uh, by the name of uh, Ryan Gottfriedson. And he's actually done a six-year study of around 30 years of mindset work. And he's, he, he's right there with you with the, with the lenses. Uh, he acknowledges yeah. that there's like four specific spectrums that allow us to see our reality. And one example is going from what's called a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Maybe another one's you know going from a closed mind to an open mind. You know, there's mm -hmm. a couple of others. When you're working with people, I mean, what mindset issues do you typically see by by far more so than than others uh the the almost holy grail one down deep is uh either i'm not enough or this isn't enough and those are almost in two directions so one is um you know i should have more right the the aspirational type person is often like i'm not where i'm supposed to be this isn't enough. I'm supposed to have more money. I'm supposed to have more success. My partner is supposed to be better looking. My car is supposed to be cooler, whatever that is. Uh, the other one that's a little more um, introspective is I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not you know, funny enough, whatever those things are. And it, that's not one or the other. You could certainly have uh, you know, both of those going on in a big way. But if you can get past the I'm not enough, uh, and it's not, it's not really just law of attraction. It's not just positive thinking. This is actually getting to... Um, it, is, it is not, you know, I am a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. Because if you're not a millionaire, your subconscious system is going to just think of you as uh, untrusting and a liar, right? It's just, <laughs> it's not true. So the crafting of like, what is the appropriate lens to put in, uh, that's an art form all on its own that, that uh, I think coaches could get much better at, at helping people uh, figure out. There's a real skill to that. Interesting. And, and speaking of that, that skill set, you talk about there being three steps to changing your limiting beliefs, awareness, uh, a new choice, and a subconscious pattern. Can you talk mm -hmm. about those a little bit? Sure. So if we, if we can see that we have these lenses going on, and uh, there's, there's maybe a bigger context that we could talk about next to let this all hang uh, on an on a even bigger structure. But the if you can't see the lens, it's going to continue having its uh, potentially negative magic effect on you, right? It's going to keep you limited in that dimension of belief about yourself or about the world. Okay, so the first step is to see the lens, right? So you might think of a fundamental shift as if you have lenses running, it's the function of backing up your conscious attention to actually see the lens. Remember how I said the lenses are built to be invisible? Right. That's, that's the illusion. That's the trick of the mind that's got us really, really stuck. And so if we can back up to see, how am I making meaning? What am I saying about, you know, what am I saying about this that I'm kind of assuming to be true? And so if I can see, 
I'm not enough, let's say, as one of those limits. And I can go, well, is that useful? Is that helpful to me? Right? Is that a, um, is that protecting me in this moment? Because, you know, it, it could be a protection thing. Like you might have a history where that's been, that's kept you safe. Right. If that was what let you survive an abusive parent in the home or something, it it might have all this evidence of being good. But in today's context, and what you're looking at right now, is that still useful, or is it just one of those old pieces of programming that you're you've kept that's keeping you stuck at this point? So the next thing is to make a new choice, and this is that artful place of it's not just I can do it. Yes, I'm the best. You know, any of that stuff. Although you know, some of that can be good if it's if it's pumping you up and if it is useful. But what we want to do is really think about um, an appropriate new choice or a new lens that we could actually install, right? Mm. And then we don't want that to just be a conscious function. We don't want to have to come back to that uh, manually, like every morning in the mirror, looking at myself five times and saying something. I mean, that's exhausting. It doesn't really work. It's not... It's uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it has zero efficacy. It probably works a little bit. It's better than doing nothing. But it's not as effective as if you can actually go in and start to repattern the subconscious mind in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you right. can get that to be the default way that your brain makes meaning, that is the highly effective way of doing it. Hmm. You got to see what it is. You got to pick the appropriate new lens. And then you basically install that if, if that's a, a simplified way of saying it. Right, right. So outside of keeping a journal, for an example, what are steps? some steps that you'd recommend for people to go from um, actually installing a lens? So this is where we get into... Uh, I mean, for, for my work, I've created tools to do this. There's a repatterning process that we've come up with that is really useful after you've chosen those new lenses that are appropriate for you mm-hmm. and, and custom to your, you know, your uh, certain makeup and setup. Uh, we can go in and actually literally pattern those into the subconscious mind, you know, normalize them across the subconscious mind in a way that's uh, deeply meaningful. Mm. Interesting. Um, by the way, awareness itself, like step one, is very, very useful, right? If you, if you don't have awareness of what these limits are and you're just treating them as truth, uh, that is your, that's as lost as you can be. That's, that's truly a delusional human being walking around, right? That's just limiting themselves, you know, potentially in money, in success, in relationships, in health, all of the places. So just opening up to the awareness of it, all of a sudden it's like you've turned the lights on and you, you, that alone can fix a lot of this. So you, you brought up a journal. Um, not just a journal that's writing kind of whatever you want to write, but a real honest inquiry of like, what do I actually think about myself that's, uh, that's negative or that's holding me back? What are, what are maybe some of my negative lenses? And the thing here is, is when you write them out, there, there may be some that you'll take on as that's 100% true. You know, let's say somebody with really low self-esteem, uh, a really low sense of self, might write, um, I'm unworthy or I'm not enough or people hate me or something. And they might say, that's 100% true. If that's true, we absolutely have to work with it. But even if it's only 1% true, even if you just hear it pop up from time to time, uh, you, you know, are, are noticing, boy, when I go into that sales thing, all of a sudden I think this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work, right? And then you write that out and you go, well, but sometimes it works and it's, like, it's not totally true. It's still bad software in the system. Mm-hmm. So a very, very useful exercise is to go down and sort of write out like, what are these repeated stuck places? It's funny because people who journal, you may notice that if you write out your goals or your desires, very often they're the same thing next year. They're the same thing the year after that. They're the same thing the year after that because we're not really changing. Mm-hmm. right? And um, I'm going to take this time to kind of pivot to this, this bigger idea of why this is, in my mind, the core thing that we that we need to address. Um, in today's world, we're looking out at society and it's like we, we want society to run better and differently. I think most of us do anyway, right? It's like we want to know how to respond to this pandemic. We've got leadership issues where we've got a real divide, you know, in this country about politically how we feel. Uh, you know, we've got race issues on the table. We've got, you know, food supply chain issues. You know, some people are talking about environmental issues. I mean, there's just, there's, you could stack up all the challenges in all directions. And solving any one of those would be a, a, a huge 
accomplishment, right? Like if we were to just fix government or something, you know, uh, we would we would do all these things. But it's fixing any one of them, you've still got all the other ones. So the reality is that we want all of them fixed, right? In in some meaningful way. Uh, well, our own lives are like that too, right? If you look at your own life, very often we will get co-opted by the one big problem, the biggest itch in our life. And there's a sense underneath of, if I just solve this one thing, then everything will be fine. If I just get this business running, everything will be great. If I could just make enough income to feel safe and secure, you know, then my partner would think differently of me and you know, all my relationships would go well. Actually, that's not true either because we, in, in our own personal life, we really want it all. We want more money, we want legacy, we want safety, we want freedom, we want good friendships, we want, you know, all the things, right? So the mature thing, we start very much looking outward. Like, how can I get? What are the skills I need or the money I want to get or those things? A more mature individual gets a little bit more honest and starts to look inside and says, okay, well, who do I need to be? to affect these things, right? And now we're at a much higher leverage point of changing not only our own lives, but society. Because what's society made up of? It's made up of people. If we have dysfunctional people everywhere, it's going to be really hard to have a functioning society. So we got to actually back up into like, what is it for me in the things that I actually control? Because I don't control whether people buy from me, but I do control how I market. Right, mm-hmm. I do control my behaviors, my things. So when we think about like what's the level of change that's most optimal, it's what's the thing that you actually have agency over. And it's not, you know, a lot of the young people are screaming at like, change the world this way, do that, do the other. But as Jordan Peterson might point out, they haven't cleaned their own room, right? They're not, they're not managing necessarily what's right in front of them to actually change, like local, you know. Right. But if you clean your room, and then you can start your own business, and then maybe you could be mayor of the town, and then eventually we'd actually like to hear from you about what we would do about the world. But where it begins is with you. And so I don't mean to just keep ranting, but I, I want to take that even further. So then if I want to change myself, like what, what do I need to change? Right? Well, universally, you can change your relationships, you can change your skill in business, you can change a lot of things. If you can change a few things about yourself, like what are, how do you think? Are you capable of, of being emotionally resilient and change your feelings? And can you meaningfully change your behaviors? Right? And if you can do that, you can start to relate to others. You can be a better leader. Um, but there's even a core of that uh, because there's a bit of an illusion of self. I talk about identity shifting all the time. And I, I think a part that doesn't get honored is that the self itself is sort of a trick of the mind. Right? So when we're talking about changing you, and this is where it gets a little weird, people... people often don't kind of get what I'm going at here. But your thoughts are what are creating you, right? Your thoughts are sort of a... Your, your identity is a continued narrative that you're telling yourself about yourself. And so when we really start to think about that, okay, wait, uh, you know, yes, there's a you like contained in a body. Yes, there's all that stuff. But your psychological self, the part that's going to be the thing underneath that's helping you change how you feel, your emotions. Can I be happy? Can I take depression and turn it into excitement? Can I take sadness and turn it into joy? Right? Can I take fear and turn it into action and, and these kinds of things? That the center of that is this is your thought system, right? Your both conscious and unconscious thought systems. And if we can't change our thought systems in a meaningful way, how could we possibly expect our behavior to change? Right? Because when you when you go to change your eating pattern and you want to eat healthy, but you've got you know, donuts in the cupboard and you're, you're at the donuts, right? It's that you have to think differently about that first, right? To even change your behavior. And if you feel really sad about something, but you hear new news, that changes your emotion, right? So your thinking is foundational to how you behave, how you feel, uh, how you relate to other people. So if we're going to get down to like, what is the core thing that's not only going to change our self most meaningfully, but is going to change the world, change society, we have to quite literally change in a deep and profound way this action of thought. And uh, just to say one more thing, as I already mentioned, that breaks down into both the unconscious processes that are happening that are outside your awareness and the conscious tools of attention. Like, are you capable of focus? Do you have any degree of self-mastery where you can make a different choice in the moment to do the thing that's better long-term rather than what's immediately satisfying? And most of us are just following these unconscious patterns and we haven't developed any kind of conscious 
uh, tools of thought to meaningfully change our own personal reality and ultimately our lives. Right. Yeah. And even starting at the awareness point, like you, you previously mentioned, I mean, first of all, no, a lot of people don't know that. And then if they do realize that they don't have the personal skill set to actually change the pattern is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so that's, that's what, when I say identity shifting, we're really trying to expose a little bit of the illusion of self, which is this trick of the mind that has you stuck in a sense of you that is um, much more limited than what's possible for you. And so we're, I'm quite literally talking about a, a meaningful and real dissolution of self, which might sound scary, but that doesn't, yourself can just be reordered in a really meaningful way. And you, you gain this capacity to have what might be called um, transcending self a little bit. So mm-hmm. when we talk about like flow states, right. uh, the, the flow states are really the beginning of when your mind can transcend self to some way. You get so captured in a, in a doing, there really isn't a you subjectively in those moments. You're, just, you're sort of captured by shagging the flies or playing chess or whatever the flow state is, is doing. You're not self-referencing in that moment. Right. So then we move into like states of awe where you're just in awe of something that's incredibly beautiful. Right. In that state, there's really, you've transcended self in that moment and you're capable of, of just being in awe of isness or a sunset or, you know, uh, something else. And so if we have no skill set to even realize that there's kind of self and not self and, and, and this dance of what's going on that's crafting your identity, then we're really, uh, we're just at the mercy of whatever life uh, kind of beat us into as a sense of self. And so if you look at anybody dysfunctional, they either have really big problems in their unconscious patterns, or they also uh, have big problems in their conscious attention and the skills of the mind as well. And if you change just a couple of these, and I mean in like a week or two, right? I mean a session or two, quite honestly, you can uh, deeply uh, repattern a human being in a way that's um, incredible. And uh, you know, when I when I talk about things like self mastery, you don't have to be perfectly self mastered because any small increase in self mastery, and when I again, what I basically mean by self mastery is just that ability to kind of choose what's more ideal for you in, in a, you know, that moment of resisting impulse to do a more important thing, right? Uh, if you even have a shade of that, your life can become uh, almost immeasurably better. And then that becomes a, a better skill for you. So that starts to grow and you become more mature, more happy, more capable, more able to show up for yourself and for the world. Right, right. Well, um, let's uh, bring Andy back into the conversation. We're going to do something a little bit different than we've not done on any other interview. Andy, <laughs> you're going to play the uh, the role of a possible client of Rob's. So go for it here. Yeah, thanks, uh, Rob. Uh, so I want to be sort of the living avatar of your typical client because I, I think it's so powerful what you do and, and it's hard. Uh, for a listener to fully appreciate it. So hopefully we can give them a little sample of the power of this identity shifting. And so why don't you describe to our listener and to me so I can get into character here, what's the initial mindset of your typical client as you start working together? So that's a, that's a very big question because they might come with all kinds of, uh, of mindsets that are not ideal. Uh, and they're because they're lenses and they're maybe invisible to them, they're not quite sure how to see them. Right. So I guess I would turn that back to you and ask, what are some things that you're struggling with or that we could at least pretend you're struggling with for this example? Sure. Now, obviously I'm a coach as well. And so I'm very comfortable in this space and and understand the the power of identity shifting. And so one of the things that I work with a lot of clients, and so I'm, I'm really comfortable playing this role is saying to someone that they don't feel worthy of their success. And, and so they're saying, you know, yeah, I'm i I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur, but I've, I've just got here by luck or I've had some, some, some good things just happened to me, or I was really blessed from the beginning and, and it really wasn't my own doing. Yeah. And so my question to you about that is like, why is that, why is that not okay? Well, 
there's a lot of times, you know, when I'm, uh, I, I'm sitting down and looking at, at everything I've got and I, and I can't appreciate it because I don't feel like I've earned any of it. That, that it's, it's, I'm going to wake up one day and I'm going to be on the headlines as fraud or, or imposter and, and, and people are going to, to see the real me that's inside that, that doesn't, that doesn't deserve any of this success that didn't earn any of it. So is there a part of you that's lying about that somewhere or that you're hiding? Or is this something that is just like a more deeper feeling underneath? Well, it did come very easy for me. You know, I, I feel like I was gifted with a lot of talents and a, and, and a lot of uh, privilege to begin with. And, and I, I really kind of just rocketed through and I didn't have a lot of the traditional founder challenges that so many of the founder stories make. My, my story was pretty simple and straightforward. I was at the right place at the right time with the right idea and surrounded myself with some right people and great things happen. But that's so t- untypical. So Great. So, so you're unique. And why is that a problem? Because I, I don't feel like I deserve this recognition that, that other people look at me and they ask me to be on podcasts and things and, and write articles and, and they're making me out to be this, this brilliant entrepreneur that, that is changing the world. And I just feel like, man, I was just a really lucky guy. Yeah. And so, it, so just to sort of break the, the role playing here, I mean, what's at the core of this is that is, you know, we were, we were talking before about what's the most powerful question. And, and uh, there's this idea of why, right, that I, I want to get into here. If I kept asking you why, and I'm, I'm just breaking out of this because I don't want to bore the listener sure, sure. too long. <laughs> the, the why here is, is that at some point, we're going to dig down into a meaning that is a, a quote-unquote truth or a lens for that person that is giving them that sense of why this is not okay. And, and once we find what that reason is, right? And it could be in their history. It could be... And this is why it's difficult when we're making it up because there's maybe nothing there for you specifically. So, you know, but there's going to be a reason. There's going to be a time in their life where they took that on, where there was this shocking event where it wasn't okay to be successful like that in that way. And they've taken that on as a lens to be true. And so now life is actually unfolding easier than they expect it to be. And they have this rule, let's say, of it's supposed to be harder than this. And what that person could flourish in is if we can actually erase that rule and put in a more useful one for them where they can really see the illusion that they've been carrying, that, that, that it's absurd, that it's ridiculous. Uh, once they do that, they have the freedom to really be what they are, uh, own their own you know, luck. They, we could probably point out many times when they haven't been lucky, right? That, that they're, they're looking at the world with a, the, the, their rose-colored lens is, boy, I'm lucky. But I'm sure they've actually had tons of challenges on certain days. I'm sure they actually have overcome a ton of things. Maybe it was easier or whatever. But there's probably a ton of other examples of people that had an easy time also and that that's actually okay. And then when they can authentically be what they are, not only in their own sense of self, like that they can be actually okay with it, you would actually watch them flourish. And if they tend to be a lucky person or maybe more capable than they're giving themselves credit for, they would actually stop whatever level of imposter syndrome has gotten them to, right? So uh, imposter syndrome is an example of one of these, you know, you might imagine it like a glass ceiling, right? If I ask people, how much is it okay to make financially? And I, before we heard the, the number $100,000 as a thing, well, why did you choose $100,000, right? Why wasn't it a million dollars as the default expectation? Why wasn't it a billion? Why wasn't it I want all the money, right? There's some level where we feel we deserve that much. And then beyond that, it seems either too complex or too scary or I don't, I don't deserve it at all. And so those are set somewhere in our meaning-making history, and so we have to get in and find out where those came from and point out that they're no longer useful, that they're not the best way to think about it now and change it. I, I love what you're saying. That so resonates with me about this identity shifting in this case, because the way I explain it is a little bit different, but, but a great corollary. I, somewhere along the way, of our character, for example, somebody they trusted handed them a T-shirt out of their wardrobe that said, uh, you're not worthy. And that was their description. 
and they decided to wear it. And yeah, and they're wearing this when really underneath the T-shirt is their superhero costume that's uniquely theirs. But until they get this T-shirt off that says you're not worthy, the superhero is never seen. It's still in disguise. Not just to the world, but to them. And what's really difficult at when once this is an identity issue, which it really almost always is. I mean, it's it's always in there. It, then we we have to live into it, or our sense of self doesn't make sense to us anymore, right? So this work of of looking at this and challenging this is so transformative. Because um, I'll, I'll give an example. I, I had a woman who was a hundred pounds overweight. And when we got really honest about who she thought she was, just to deeply simplify this, because there were a lot of things, she you know, basically was like, I'm a loser. I fail at everything. I can't. I set these goals around eating differently. And by noon the next day, I fail. I'm literally watching the food go into my mouth. And that's a very unconscious process for a person like that, right? There's, they, their conscious mind can be completely committed to changing. But the unconscious is trying to do the familiar. What's safe to the unconscious mind is not a comfort zone, quote unquote. It's really staying in the familiar. It's doing what we did yesterday because that worked to keep us alive. And it's so survival-based that it just wants to do what it knows already. So by lunch, the unconscious mind, which is actually more powerful, is reaching for the Twinkie and putting it in the mouth against the will of your conscious intention. And so what we did was we patterned an athlete for this woman because an athlete comes with all the behaviors baked in. How does an athlete feed themselves? How does an athlete move their body? How does an athlete you know, sleep and take care of themselves, right? What do they own running shoes? All these things. And once you become, once she became an athlete, sure, she was still 100 pounds overweight, but that's an athlete that's 100 pounds overweight. So she worked out, she ate differently, all that. She ended up getting down super duper lean, spin instructor, and it literally changed her whole life just shifting into, I am an athlete. So think about shifting into... I, not a entrepreneur, somebody who's you know craving to become an entrepreneur, but they are not it yet, right? They think I need to learn something else, or I need to take a course, or I need to go uh, do this thing, or whatever. If they take on I am an entrepreneur, you may still have a job, but someone who is an entrepreneur is like got a side hustle. They're hiring people, they're concepting, they're learning marketing, they're doing whatever they need to do, right? And once you are an entrepreneur, you 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 it's you don't. That doesn't just fall away. It's it's you could take away the person's business and they'll build another one, right? They'll they'll just do the other thing. And that's because of this persistence of our sense of self. And so if your sense of self is off, if you're wearing that wrong t-shirt or you have the wrong lenses, you're gonna be fighting to stay in that identity. Uh way more than you're even aware. And and uh that's what we're challenging here, and that's what we're going to the core of. And that's why it's it's such a quick transformation for people. And that's what the the whole idea of of what I'm hearing you say is that we will do everything in our power to try to keep whatever identity we've accepted to be true. And so if if we have the identity of an addict, we'll we'll use whatever we're addicted to because that's what addicts do. It's just not going to work for me. That rehab's not going to work because I'm an addict and right. uh, I'm not I'm not going to do it. And so until they're ready to go, I'm ready to not be an addict and I'm going to go through this painful thing, right? In that example, uh, that's when it can succeed. But until they do that... So here's another example, and it's in the fitness space as well, but I think it really helps. A lot of people at the beginning of the year will take on, I'm going to be a runner this year as like a New Year's resolution, let's say. And almost everybody fails at it. Because almost every coach out there and most people are actually trying to use willpower, which is powerful. It's great. But I think we can all feel how... Uh, maxed out our willpower is these days. Because every little choice of your attention, every little pull of the different messages you have to keep up with, every road rage incident when you're not flipping the guy off next to you, uh, all of those are acts of will. And so we don't have a ton of willpower left over for really big change. But let's say you use willpower to become a runner for the handful of people every year that actually succeed at that. What happens is you need the willpower to do the thing that you aren't yet. Right. The reason I need the willpower is I don't think of myself as a runner. So it's an act of will to put on shoes, do the dreadful deed, all that. If you do that long enough using willpower, what actually switches is your subconscious mind takes on a new sense of self. I'm a runner. Once you're a runner, 
it's almost like you can't stop running. It's like I've got to go running. And you know, it, I don't mean in a compulsive way that's that's difficult. It's just it's natural. It's obvious. You get up, you put your shoes on, and you go running because you're a runner. And that shift, that subconscious shift, which can be done with willpower, it's just slow and painful. Uh, there's a much quicker way to go in and tweak some of these meanings uh, in a way, get your lenses cleaned up uh, that deeply changes that for people very quickly. Love that. Love that. So as we're uh, having to wrap things up, because I'm sure that we could actually talk about this forever, because um, I think it's pretty interesting field. Um, what are some of the things that you're working towards in 2020 and beyond as we get back to you know, a functional normal, but more realistic, more realistically, a, a new normal. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. So if you think about like a, a caterpillar going into a chrysalis, and the crisis that that is for the caterpillar, right? If it doesn't ever know anything about a butterfly, uh, it it looks like death, right? It's turning into mush in the middle of this of this chrysalis, right? And it, it's if nobody ever had seen a butterfly, I'd be like, wow, this is a this is a death process for this thing. And I feel like our society is in some form of a new chrysalis, right? And mm. I think that the impulse to go back to being a caterpillar is is maybe not the appropriate one because it's almost like we can't unring some of these technological advancements and what globalization is doing and all this stuff. So the stuff that I'm really interested in now is is some of our bigger systems problems and how this this work that I do is is maybe what I what I'm seeing as one of the more meaningful uh, areas that we that we need to figure out, right? That we in this deep ability to to really change ourselves profoundly, uh, and do that in a way that's that's um, you know important, sustainable, actually works. Uh, you know that's that's what I'm most interested in. And if we do that well, I think we can come out the other side of this uh, as a butterfly in a, in a whole new reality. That's that's um, you know much more interesting and. Is is kind of speaking into all the things that I think many of us would like, uh, which is a more functioning uh, personal life, a more functioning society, etc. Hmm. It is unbelievable how quickly our time has gone, and we have already found ourselves at the point where we are going to do the rapid fire question segment. Crazy how quickly it has. Now, what this works is we ask you the questions quickly, but you can take as long as you want to answer them. How's that? Sounds good. All right. So my first question, selfishly as a coach, here comes a coaching question for you. What is your most powerful coaching question you like to ask your clients? Yeah, I think one of the ones that we went through is why. I think just it's it's super simple. Uh, the reason that that is so powerful is that that is letting you know the person that you're talking to's reason or meaning making as to why they're taking the position that they are. And so as you ask why, and oftentimes you'll couple that with a bunch more whys as you get down to some of the reasoning, you can get down to the floor, the ground floor level of their meaning making. And that's where the most profound change can uh, be done. So if somebody says, you know, well, it's because of this, and it's like, okay, but why? Why do you think it's that way? And that begins to let them start to see their own lenses, which is uh, deeply powerful. Great stuff. What are your three top favorite books you gift or tell others about? Boy, I don't know about three. There's, I, I, there's so many that I love. Uh, I think in this realm, uh, kind of an un, like a hidden gem that not a lot of people know about. I'll actually give two um, by, this, by this guy. He's actually a physicist. David Bohm um, did a great chat with a guy named Krishnamurti, where you had this uh, deep, I guess, spiritual teacher talking to a physicist. And uh, it's called The Ending of Time. And it's really digging deep into what is thought doing? Uh, what's, the, what's the illusion of self? A lot of the things that we're talking about here. Um, and I think that's one that not too many people know about. Um, there's another one by David Bohm that is thought as systems. Uh, mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, I think I'll stick with those two. I think I'll just I'll point people toward some of David Bohm's work in uh, in the consciousness space. Good stuff. All right, how about this one? Why is self sabotage such a common characteristic among human beings, and and how can we break away from it? 
Uh, I think the short answer to that is that we self-sabotage primarily to remain safe. I think that when we're thinking about self-sabotage, this is when some of these unconscious patterns are helping us to play small. And evolutionarily, there was a real reason for this, right? If you uh, spoke too loud and wrongly, you know, the tribe might kick you out. If you, uh, you know, did this thing wrong. So we learned from safety mechanisms that once pain happens or something scary happens to shut down and kind of not do that thing again. Well, our life has been greatly nerfed since the days of, uh, of how difficult it was you know, in hunter-gatherer times. But I don't know that our psychology has, um, has met that, that safety, right? the abundance and the safety that we have now. And so we think things are much scarier than they are. And so we don't take some of the risks. We don't try things. We don't, you know, we decide to just stay. We stay in the, the comfortable or actually what I said before is the familiar. And so I, I think that uh, beginning to take on new positions, new lenses allows us to more confidently expand into things that if we were left unchanged would be things where we would continue to procrastinate about or remain scared about or do things that end up looking like self-sabotage. Great. Mm-hmm. What's one thing every high school student must know? Boy, I, my quick answer is themselves, right? I, I would love it if high school students would start to notice uh, how their thought is affecting uh, their reality in some sense. Um, maybe, maybe another one is, uh, you know, not to be, uh, not to go with like a popular one, but the the skill of mindfulness is is quite literally, if we were to really oversimplify it, it is the ability to notice what is a thought and what is experience. And I think that the normal impulse for a human is to have a thought and almost get addicted to it, like follow it and uh, you know, uh, think it's real, worry about it, those kinds of things. And the skill of mindfulness is one of the conscious tools. We were talking about unconscious versus consciousness tools. Right. Um, that ability to realize, oh, that's just a thought and actually drop it and come back to presence and, and be here is a universally valuable thing that I would love all high school kids to have. And final question, what's the secret to achieving personal freedom? If you can gain some self-mastery so that you can self-actualize across the lines of uh, your life that matter the most to you, you know, business, relationships, health, all those things. And ultimately, the, the secret sauce underneath that is gaining the skill of transcending self in a meaningful way. Uh, that, that stack is, uh, is what actually gives us a, a meaningful amount of personal freedom. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Rob, again, you can be found at robscott.com. Where can people find you on the socials if they want to reach out? Boy, I'm, I'm different on different ones. I think if they were to just go to robscott.com, I've got them all listed there. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm real Rob Scott on Instagram. I think I'm Rob underscore Scott on Twitter. Rob Scott, sadly, is a more popular name than, right. <laughs> than yep. maybe I'd like it to be. But uh, yeah, so they can find me that way. Awesome. Well, again, thanks so much for your time. And it was a great conversation. Guys, I really had a blast. Thank you so much. Best of success, Rob. So there you have it. You know, it's really such a small world. And after having our chat, I realized that I knew Rob from being a presenter at the Foundation Live event in 2015. And if you're unfamiliar with the Foundation, it was and is a program that teaches its students how to build an idea, pre-sell it, build it, and then scale it. Dane Maxwell is the founder, and I had him on episode 56 of this show talking about his transition into music. But if you want to find out more about what the foundation is, there's actually plenty to learn about it on Pat Flynn's SPI podcast, Session 46, one of my favorite all-time episodes of his. Really great content, and I think a lot of people need the information right now. Uh, Before you go there, though, if you want to continue the chat with Rob, I have a few videos featuring him and the show note extras. And in the first video, I actually have the recording of his talk at the Foundation Live event I just mentioned. However, I also have a chat he did at Google and their talks at Google event in August of 2015. And then next up, we have two episodes of the Rob Scott Show. The first one is a conversation about the most useful skill in personal development. I'll let you think about that one for a minute. 
And then Rob shares with us tools we can use to enhance and enjoy our life, even during a pandemic. Again, you can check those out and the other show notes at newinceptions.com slash 184. So that's again a wrap for 184. Remember, much of what we hear in the online business space can only be used if we know our place in it. And then the GPS can help us get to where we want to go. You can turn on your own GPS signal by getting the free resource and cover your personal mission by going to newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. So with that said, thanks again for spending some time with Rob, Andy, and myself today. Until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care in whatever you're creating, and we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions, on Twitter at newinceptions, Instagram at new.inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.